Welcome to the Eerie First Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. We've been asking some interesting questions lately. What do you think is the most quoted verse in the Bible? How about the most loved? Or what do you think is the most difficult or the most sobering verse to deal with? We're diving deep into those questions and more in this series called The Most. Today, Pastor Nicole is discussing the most loved verse in the Bible, and we're going to examine how God protects us and watches over us. So let's get started today and continue with our series. Today, uh, we are continuing our series called The Most, uh, where we are looking at specific verses in the Bible. And the first week, we looked at the most quoted verse, which was John 3.16. And the last, last Sunday, we looked at the most difficult verse. And today, appropriately, we're going to look at the most loved verse in the Bible. Now, you just heard it read to you. The most loved passage in the scripture is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. There are 150 psalms in the Bible, and they really are a place where you can bring every part of your heart. They're really a place where where even the most desolate and desperate and deepest places of your heart, you can bring them to the Lord through the psalms. The psalms are designed to express uh, sadness and fear, joy, discouragement, frustration, hope, and victory. There there are these many chapters of of these feelings that are coming out, mostly from King David, where he's talking about all these different things that have happened in his life. And what I love about the Psalms is it really gives us permission to express emotions through a biblical lens. And these songs of the heart show us it's okay to have emotions. Now, I live in a home with three little girls. My husband lives there with me and three girls. And there's a lot of emotions, okay, happening in our home all the time. And what I love about the Psalms and what I say often to my husband is emotions are okay. It's okay to be frustrated and angry. You just cannot hit your sister when you're upset, right? So, so we, we can have emotions, but we need to look through a biblical lens of our emotions. We can sing about those feelings. We can pray about those feelings. And the Lord cares deeply about the feelings that you have. He gave us those feelings. And so the book of Psalms really gives us a lot of examples of how we can biblically look through the lens of the Psalms and deal with our feelings. 
Today, I want to talk to you about Psalm 23. Now, Psalm 23 is part of a bigger story in the book of Psalms. I imagine it like a center diamond in a three uh, diamond ring. It's the very center of this beautiful part of the book of Psalms. Let me explain to you what I mean. In Psalm 22, if you read it, it talks about a good shepherd dying for their sheep. In Psalm 23, it talks about a great shepherd caring for the sheep. And in Psalm 24, if you read that, it refers to the chief shepherd coming for the sheep. So just in these three uh, Psalms, Psalm 22, 23, and 24, we see that even the gospel is presented in these Psalms, that there would be a good shepherd that would come and die for the sheep, and that same shepherd would care for the sheep, and then someday that chief shepherd is coming for the sheep. And so as we look at Psalm 23, many people call it the pearl of all the Psalms. And for so many, this Psalm is very familiar. Uh, for, for many of you, you saw this Psalm cross-stitched at your grandma's house on the wall somewhere. Uh, or maybe it was just the only part of the Bible that you knew by heart. Several years ago, uh, there was a famous rapper that wasn't a Christian at all, but he used part of this psalm in his song. And so even if you're unchurched or you don't know anything about the scripture, this psalm is maybe something that will jog your memory when you hear it. It's very familiar to us. Maybe for you, this psalm is really special because it was read at someone's funeral that you loved really dearly. This verse is often used at funerals. But I want to remind us today, it's not just for moments of death. It's for our lives right now. This psalm is crucial for our dying, but even more for our living. And so we're going to look at Psalm 23 so that we can understand what it's like to live with a great shepherd. So Psalm 23 has 23 primary images that we're going to take a closer look at today. And the first and the most famous image is the image of a shepherd. And that is described in Psalm 1 through 4. And the second word picture is found in verses 5 and 6, and it's of God being a generous host. Let's start with the good shepherd, Psalm 23, 1 through 4. It reads, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The Lord could have compared his people to anything in the world. He could have said, my people are like lions. They're brave. They're courageous. They, they live in the middle of the wilderness, and they solve all the problems, and they're king of their kingdom. He could have said, my people are like foxes. They're shrewd and wise, and, and they can weave and get themselves out of hard situations. But you know what the Lord compares us to? Sheep. Now, maybe on a job application or a dating app, they ask you these funny questions like, what animal best personifies your personality? That's a terrible question, by the way, but they ask you that. No one ever answers sheep. <laughs> That's not even on the options. No one ever says, I just really, I think I'm like a sheep personality. Sheep are not the brightest. They're not the bravest. They're not the strongest. 
In fact, they're easily scared, they're always weak, and very typically vulnerable. Yet, time and time again in the scripture, this is the image of you and of me. So my theory is, let's embrace it. (laughs) If this is what we are, whether we want to be or not, let's embrace it. And I started thinking this week that the best thing about being a sheep is that you have a shepherd. The best thing about being a sheep is that you have a shepherd. And your shepherd will always remember your name. He knows everything about you. He knows you. He knows how frightened you are sometimes. He he knows your particular needs. He knows uh, your nuances. He knows your tendencies. You are fully known by your shepherd, and you are comprehensively loved by your shepherd. A powerful word in Psalm 23 is this little word right here. Say it. What is this word? My. This is a powerful word in this verse. Yahweh, the covenant God, the faithful God, is my shepherd. God himself, the creator of the universe, stoops to serve in this low position willingly. His job, he chooses, is to be with each of the sheep. Many years ago, I learned this trick of how to remember Psalm 23.1. And I use this tactic a lot. And this is, a, this is a full participation moment, okay? If you're watching online, I want you to do it from home as well. But everyone put your hand up like this. Doesn't matter which hand it is, just put it up like this. If your spouse is with you and they're not participating, elbow them, okay? So put your hand up like this. This is how I remember. Start with your thumb. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. You can put your hand down. You know that word, my it falls on the ring finger. That's your covenant finger. I wear a ring on this finger to remind myself of the commitment and the covenant that I've made to my husband. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. He makes promises he will never break. He he shows up when everybody else walks out. He is so committed to you. He is with you. When you're alone, when you're anxious, when you're uncertain, when you're overwhelmingly sad, the Lord is my shepherd. Hang on to that ring finger because that is the promises of God that will never go away. The Lord is my shepherd. He makes promises he will never, ever break. And those verses remind us because the shepherd knows you, because the the Lord is your shepherd with a covenant promise to you, that there are things we benefit from by having a shepherd. Here's the first one. It says in verse one, I shall not want or you will not lack. You will not lack rest. You will not lack restoration. You will not lack peace or joy or hope or victory. Because the Lord is my shepherd, everything he has is mine. And so he offers that to us. If you are a sheep prone to busyness, he'll make you lie down. If you're a sheep prone to laziness, he'll make you get up. (laughs) This is how my shepherd works. Jesus Christ is to his sheep all that we will ever need. When your soul is sorrowful, he revives it. When your soul is sinful, he sanctifies it. When you feel weak, he strengthens you. Another benefit 
of the shepherd in Psalm 23 is the shepherd leads you. He guides you down the right paths in life. He doesn't just stand at the road and say, this way, go on down a little bit, you'll see some things. He says, it's this way, and I'll go with you. I'll lead you in the path of righteousness. I'll show you the way, and then I'll lead you there, and I'll never let go of you because I'm your shepherd. I'm not just a shepherd. I'm not just a shepherd that shows up and does other sheep. I am yours. And so I will walk that path of righteousness with you. I love verse 4. I will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And what happens? The shepherd protects you. He defends you from those things that threaten you. You don't have everything you need for every situation in life. That's okay. The shepherd does. He is armed with all the tools that you need. He is armed with every defense that you could possibly use, that you could possibly need. And he defends you even when you're lost and even when you're prone to wander. But perhaps the benefit of having a shepherd that is the most comforting for me is found in verse 4. When it says, when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. He is with you day in and day out in all your comings and all your goings. He is with you. I want you to notice uh, with the first three verses, David, who's the author of this psalm, he talks about the Lord. He's saying, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want the Lord, the Lord. He talks in this as if the Lord uh, isn't around him. He's talking about the Lord. But something shifts when he gets into the darkest place, the deep, dark valley. Something shifts. Notice the pronoun change. He says in Psalm 23, 4, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. He's not just talking about God anymore. He's not just telling someone, this is about the God that I love and the God that I serve. All of a sudden, when he gets to the deepest and the darkest valley, he begins to talk to God. And isn't that how it happens? That when we're in the ravine, when we're in the pit, when we're out of the green pasture, we cry out to God when we enter the fearful ravine. When we're in the green pasture, we tend to talk about God. But when we are in the ravine, in the deep, dark valley, we talk straight to him. You, you are with me. You are your, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. You are with me all the time. I have never learned anything about trusting God from the easy times, only from the hard. When we go through a valley, God is waiting for us to stop saying, what is the meaning of this? Why am I dealing with this? Why is this my situation? What is the meaning of this? And God wants us to start asking, what is the meaning in this? What is the meaning in this? Because in those moments, God is near us. Don't be confused. God is never very far from you. When we look back in the scripture, we see all the ways that God finds ways to come near. He always wants to be close to his people, to his sheep. In the Old Testament, the burning bush, the pillar of fire, the tabernacle, and of course, God with us, Emmanuel, Jesus, born in a manger. He came all the way to us so he could be close to us, born to us. And the promise in this shepherd is that God is near. If your marriage is hanging together by a thread, God is not far away. 
If you're struggling with anxiety or depression, God is not distant. If there's infertility or dementia or chemo somewhere in your life, the Lord is with you. That's what Psalm 23.1 is telling us, that the love of God comes near, so near that he never, ever leaves us. Psalm 23, in so many ways, really just describes our life. It describes a journey, a journey of faith filled with trials and temptations. But it's a journey. It starts in verse 2 when the shepherd has us in green pastures with springs and still waters and kind of this beautiful picture of life really good. And then in verse 4, it says, but sometimes there are going to be a dangerous desert valley where there are thieves and enemies hiding in the dark, and it's a very difficult time. But it doesn't stop there. The shepherd carries you all the way to verse 5, which describes the banquet table of God, the wedding supper of the Lamb, where there's oil and new wine and extravagant food that's been harvested, a table where you sit at the table, the banquet table, with the Lord himself. You're his guest. And this brings us to the second imagery in Psalm 23, 5 and 6. Listen to, as David writes this, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You are God's guest at his dinner table to have a relationship with him, and he has rolled out the red carpet. He, he, he hasn't held anything back. You are honored at his table. He has everything there that you love, and he knows all your nuances, and so he knows what you love, and he knows what you desire, and it's as if God invites you to this special dinner, this banquet table, and it's just you and him, and you are overflowing at his table. I love the part where it talks about the enemies. The psalmist talks about his enemies, and he says, listen, think about the foes in your life. Think about the enemies in your life. Now, for some of you, it might be an individual or a person you can think of, but for many of us, that's a little bit difficult to think about. Well, who are my enemies? Who are my foes? And I think what he's also saying is think about the internal foes that fight against you, the enemies of your soul, those temptations, those insecurities, those wounds of the past, those things that just haunt you, and you just can't get rid of them, you can't get past them. You know that inner critic that just talks to you all the time about how you're never going to be good enough. I know you're trying really hard, or you're always going to mess up. I know you're this many days sober, but it's coming. Uh, that, that inner critic that just goes on and on and never stops. Imagine them right now, whatever those are for you. And Psalm 23 says, look, when you are at the banquet table of God, those enemies must remain silent. They are stripped of any power. And there is freedom, freedom unlike you've ever experienced before. There's freedom because it's just you and God at this banquet table. And in the presence of your enemies, you're feasting with God. And they can't even have a single another word. The most beloved psalm goes on to say, his goodness and his mercy pursues us. So whenever you find yourself on the mountaintop or the deepest, darkest valley, goodness and mercy chases you relentlessly. 
He says that he leads us in paths of righteousness. We talked about that a few moments ago. But so in front of us, he's leading us into the path of righteousness. And behind us is goodness and mercy chasing after us. I read in a commentary this week, someone pictured it like two sheepdogs herding the the sheep, just making sure that they're going in the right direction. A goodness and mercy, herding the sheep in the direction on the path of righteousness. And what this is showing us and what this is describing us is giving us this amazing word picture that, look, you are escorted, you are surrounded on all sides, you are totally hemmed in, you are led to passive righteousness, and you are just completely surrounded by goodness and love and mercy relentlessly pursuing you. The whole psalm points to this little bit on the last verse, and it says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Isn't that the ultimate goal? The fulfillment of all our longings and of our entire existence. It's not so much, this verse isn't so much about the green pastures, and it's not so much about the the dark valley. We can talk about both of those situations, but you know what this passage is about? It's not about a lavish banquet table. It's about being in the house of the Lord forever with my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And someday I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever with my shepherd. I'm going to invite a friend of mine to come up here to share here as we close today. The testimony of God's faithfulness surrounds us. The story of his great provision weaves through our lives. And I asked this great woman of God from our congregation to share this morning how she has personally experienced Psalm 23. Would you welcome Lois Seacrest this morning? I'm going to share some scripture that is very meaningful in my life, that has taken me through the journey that I'm still on. Jeremiah 29:11 says, For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans for peace and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Psalm 37, 25, and 26. I have been young and now old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor their descendants begging for bread. He is ever merciful, and lands and his descendants are blessed. And last, and I claim this a lot, but those, Isaiah 40, 31, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Hallelujah. I was born in Erie in a family of six children. I'm the second oldest. And I left Erie when I was 21 years old, and I moved to Cincinnati, Ohio, where I met Dan Anderson. We were married and had two beautiful children. He was involved uh, in ministry, uh, teaching, and uh, he worked for the Kroger supermarket chain. So we we were transferred, and I have lived in eight different cities. And we were blessed. We had beautiful homes. 
we had a good salary and everything was great. And when we were transferred to Morristown, Tennessee, and served uh, in our local church, he felt the call of God on his life. So with much prayer and fasting, he resigned his position with Kroger's, and we put our house on the market, and we moved to Memphis, Tennessee, where he went to Mid-America Theological Seminary. The church we were in, First Baptist Church, paid. This is the beginning of the provision that God has given us. The church paid for his tuition. All we had to pay for were the books. So we served, we were called, uh, he, he graduated, uh, he graduated at 50 years old. So he was ministering in the Baptist Temple in California for five years, and he developed Alzheimer's. But he had been, he was able to accomplish all of his goals and dreams. He was able to preach, teach, marry, bury, and counsel. So after five years, he had to, um, he had to resign his position. So we were in a position where we really had to walk by faith and allow God to meet all of our needs. So we put our, our condominium on the market. We had a little bit of money that we had invested. And so we were able to live on that. We were um, offered a home, a rental home, and we lived in that home. And my husband was missing five times in LA. The last time he was missing, we were putting out pictures and we were gonna have an article in, lo in the local newspaper. And we were told to go to San Pedro, California to a mission. So we did, and the gentleman, uh, the leader of this mission was a former priest who was full gospel and flowed in the gift of knowledge. And he prayed over me, and he said, go to Harbor General Hospital, go to the emergency room, present his name and picture, and he's there. And guess what? He was. So she said, he's upstairs on the fourth floor. So you could imagine how excited I was to go up there. And when I approached the desk, they said, we've been waiting to meet this man's family. First of all, he told us he was a pastor. And then he told us he was a neurosurgeon. So we... So we all thought, hey, he's a doctor, and he's been here on a conference, and he he's, uh, has amnesia. So they put him in a private room. <laughs> he was given all of this attention, and God was taking care of him. And you know, of all those times that he was missing, I know that he had a guardian angel looking out for him. He was never dehydrated. He didn't even have a long beard, but, but he was, we found him and he was brought back and that's a long story. So we served uh, in Los Angeles 
for uh, a number of years. And uh, in December of 1989, my father in Erie passed away. So I put him in the VA hospital while I came to my father's funeral. And two weeks later, when I came home, the very day that I came home, I received a phone call from the VA hospital that my husband was gone. And it turned out he had a blood clot that hit his lungs. And so he died instantly. So I was able to stay there for a while. And I was on staff of a Westchester Assembly of God church. But I really didn't have money. I didn't have provision except what God provided. The people in that church were like our church because this church ministers to me all the time. And so they reached out to me and brought me, when I needed it, groceries. But I also had an opportunity to be used in that church, so I didn't. I was put on staff and I earned a salary. Well, one day, I got a phone call from my mother and she said, you know, your brother, Will Malberg, who is sitting over there, uh, came and had coffee with me Sunday night after church. And she told, he told me that there's a, a widower by the name of Bill Segrist at First Assembly. And there's Lois, a widow out there in California. Wouldn't it be something if she moved back to Erie and they met and they fell in love, and they got married. Well, they belonged to a, a um, young married group that met once a month. They had potluck suppers, and they started praying for Bill Segrist and Lois, Segrist, Lois Anderson. So anyway, uh, the Lord was dealing with me, and I said, okay, Lord, if I'm supposed to leave L.A. and move back to Erie, I'm going to throw out a fleece. If it appears that my finances are drying up, I'll know that I'm supposed to leave. So guess what? I can't go into details, but through a series of circumstances, it appeared that I was not going to be paid anymore, and I was my ministry was going to end. But I found out later they would never have let me go. But God allowed me to know that, and to get my attention, to move me from L.A. to Erie, Pennsylvania. And so in December 14th, the day of the anniversary of my husband's death, I boarded a plane and came to Erie, Pennsylvania. So uh, shortly after I got here, I, I started attending the senior dinners, and I was introduced to Bill. And so after a while, he got the courage to invite me out for dinner, and that was the beginning of a love story. So after a while, in, in uh, April of 1993, we were married in the chapel of this church, and I was able to serve on staff here and teach a Sunday school class. But you know, I am 88 years old, and I have to claim this scripture they that wait upon the Lord all the time. <laughs> but recently, I told the Lord, if he keeps me healthy, I will do whatever he wants me to do. And I will open my home as a house of prayer. 
And so in about the last several months, that God has opened the door. And there are several women, including our pastor, that we meet at Olive Garden for lunch and we come to our house and we have prayer time. And we just touch heaven for everybody in this church and for the mission and the call of God that he has in this sanctuary. So I just thank God for being here, for still alive and well and serving God. And God bless you and thank you for hearing me. you stand with me this morning? The most loved verse in the Bible, Psalm 23, 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Today, if you need prayer for anything at all, or maybe you have questions, or you just want to encourage Lois for her faithfulness all of these years serving God, I would love for you to come and pray at the prayer table here to my right. There will be people there to pray for you. Let me pray for you to close today. Would you just bow your head? Jesus, thank you that we have everything we need. Thank you that you have everything that we need. And we lean strongly into you. Thank you for knowing us. Thank you for leading us. Thank you for guiding us and protecting us. And Lord, today we have great hope and joy knowing that we are looking forward to being in the house of the Lord forever. And it's in your loving, gracious, and patient name I pray. Amen. Have an awesome week. We'll see you next Sunday. Thank you for listening to the Erie First Podcast. If you like this podcast, please give us a rating and a review at Apple Podcasts and share it with your friends. You can find all our series, videos, and podcasts at eriefirst.org, along with all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.